Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man! And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back, where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment hitting your screens, both big and small. We're just a couple of geek dads, and it's an exciting time to be alive in the 21st century because watching comics is literally a thing. My name is Mitch. My co-host is Jake. And well, it's time. The comic book movie goes Western. Jake, we're here and we're doing it. We are. We you know, both those things are accurate. We are here. We are doing it. This is it. Yes, it is. We're continuing with X-Men month. And by the way, listeners, um, thank you for jumping on board with this. And thank you for being patient. We're a couple days behind on this episode. As I mentioned on the previous episode, um, earlier this month, I unintentionally uh, sent my laptop for a swim. And so we've been kind of floundering, for lack of a better term, with figuring out how we, we do some technological chicanery but we are almost completely back to normal here and we are going to put a bow on x-men month this week with two episodes so super excited about that but um solid solid insertion of the word chicanery oh i think that might be the first time the word chicanery has ever been used on this podcast it well here here you are three years later and we've made it yeah and certainly not going to be the last we're going to find more ways to just wedge that thing in good work Thank you. I'm, I'm just trying to pull my weight. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not the attractive talent like you are, Jake, so I've got to come up with something I, else. I have a face for podcasting, yes. <laughs> as, as my mother likes to tell me. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I, the other big thing is, Jake, happy three years, man. Yeah, back at you. That's, this is, well, because every, t- every year about this time, I, I get to thinking, I'm like, boy, I bet we've been doing this almost a year or two. And then I'm like, oh, wait, more than that. Yeah, because it was it was Black Panther was episode one. It was. Here we are three years later, and we have carved out a cool corner of the internet that is just fun to yeah. hang out in. So thank you, listeners, Twitter followers, people that find us online. Like legitimately, thank you. Jake and I started this podcast three years ago, mainly because um, we've been friends for a long time and I selfishly wanted to do a cool creative project with him. I called him up one day and said, how about a podcast? And he was dumb enough to say, okay. And here we are, but three years later, and like we've actually leaned into a brand and an identity and found some of the coolest people to get to interact with on the internet. And also- we will be launching merch hopefully next month. So like Jake, we've come a long way. We have, it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of marvel at it. Like I, I came mm-hmm. back to Marvel. Ooh, look at that man. Not even intentional. Ooh, oh. I DC at it. And mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I don't know, just got an image. Now I'm going to be forcing those in all night. Um, <laughs> I, you've done a bad thing. I um I, I look at it and I just marvel at how far this thing has come and how much like I think I always expected it to be a lot of fun. I did not expect it to be as much fun as it has been interacting with people beyond you. Uh kind of in my mind when we launched this thing, it was I'm gonna talk to Mitch and let him handle dealing with the unwashed masses. And uh, whatever comes of that on his end will be cool. But, you know, we have <laughs> met so many cool people through this. And our, I will say, as somebody who is notoriously anti-social media, uh, I do enjoy spending time on Twitter and just kind of seeing what people are saying to us, interacting just a little bit. It, it's fun, man. It's been really cool. and It really is. That bird yeah. app can be kind of pleasant sometimes. um but yeah dude it's been great thank you for jumping on board with this and listeners thank you for joining us so in addition to merch coming really soon we also have some new guests that we are either well we have one guest that we're bringing back to the pod that we haven't in a while and then some brand new guests that we have never featured on the pod before because the internet has brought us to some really cool people to collaborate with anyway the next few months are an exciting time for the watching comics podcast so if you haven't yet smash that subscribe button on whatever platform and device who are listening to us on and get ready for some more fun stuff. I wanted to say chicanery again, but I didn't think that was appropriate. So fun stuff mm. is where we're going to put it. Um, anyway, 
So like and review us on whatever pod platform you listen to us on. If you are feeling extra generous, it's a nice thing to do. We would really appreciate that. And of course, follow our conversation on Twitter at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. And especially this week, because boy, howdy, do Jake and I have takes. Well, I mean, what, what good is a podcast with two dudes anyway, if we don't, but um, we have takes on this one. Jake, uh, do you want to tell the listeners if they haven't seen the podcast art or read the title of this episode yet, what we will be talking about in this episode? Yeah, we're going to be diving in on uh, on Logan, the third and final solo Wolverine film. Uh, definitely, It definitely is the most unique of them. I would dare say it's maybe... I mean, even with Deadpool, I would say it's maybe the most unique of the X-Men films. I, I think that this movie kind of exists in its own right, kind of out on its own, and and in both good and bad ways. And I and we're going to dive in and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and and given the glaring timeline issues that the X-Men saga has had in their c- cinematic universe, I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> that I, you know, I actually think this movie to me. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought this movie, maybe we should dive in with this to start. I thought this movie solved the timeline issue by, and again, I might be reading too much into things. I might be seeing something that's not there, but my understanding from the first time I saw this movie was that when Logan is talking about X-Men comics, they're acknowledging that this is supposed to be the quote, real world that all the other movies were a dramatization of. Mmm, we're going meta now. That was kind of my take is like, this is a meta within a meta thing, you know, like like layers of meta, kind of a, a meta cake. And uh, it, it just was, and I don't know, maybe I read too much into it, but I always thought this movie solved the timeline issue by saying the other movies are movies inside a movie and therefore the timeline doesn't have to match up. Okay. That's a really good take. I like that a lot. I don't think I I went that deep. I think I stopped like one layer early and just thought of, oh, as far as the comic book thing was concerned, they, the X-Men became popular somewhere along the line because of all the good that they were doing. And so comic books were written about them. But I think what you're, what you're describing here makes an awful lot of sense. And for the convenience of trying to tie um, a lot of knots together with this one movie, um, I think that's that's convenient and appropriate. Okay, so again, well, you know, and the thing is, like, I've always talked about it, like, that's how it is, and then people, I started noticing after a while, people were looking at me like I was weird, and I realized, like, maybe I read too much into it, so that was actually one of the first things I was hoping to Jake, we are with you. We, we are weird no matter what. I, that's, this that's is true. The, that's, I hate to break it to you. Well, but, um, <laughs> okay, so but here, here, here's really what we're getting at. Okay, the the heart of the conversation with Logan is it's currently sitting at an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It is currently rated the number 219, the number 219 movie out of the top 250 on IMDb. And it was nominated for an Oscar, okay, uh, for for best screenplay. This movie exists for better or worse in the canon of... um, almost untouchable or prestige. This is the rarefied air that like the first Richard Donner Superman movie and the Dark Knight are existing in. That rare stratosphere where it seems like the bulk of the masses almost universally agree that Logan represents not just a great comic book movie, but a higher sense of the art form in and of itself. And I find it impossible to have a conversation about this movie without interrogating that component at least a little bit. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. So Jake, do you, do you like Logan? Gosh, I see. I've kind of been just letting you go to see how close we get to that question. Um, (laughs) So Man, it's such a comp. It should be such an easy thing to answer, right? But it's not for me because I think that I appreciate Logan. I don't think I like Logan. And and mm. so if you're asking me to rate it objective, so this is this is where like me trying to be. Look, I understand we are not the Hollywood Reporter. We are not any kind of like major major deal. We have our awesome corner. 
I don't kid myself that like, you know, the world's going to crumble if I don't hold myself to journalistic ex exceptionalism. But I also think, you know, one thing we try to do here is approach these things with a certain level of intellectual honesty. And so to me, that means being able to be objective. And over the last three years, I feel like I've grown in my ability to look at these movies objectively, but at the same time, that subjectivity is what gives flavor to what we do, right? Absolutely. So often I'm able to weave those together and often they are in agreement. So if not overwhelmingly, they're at least enough in agreement that I can come up with kind of a consensus Jake view to put out there, right? Like uh, Logan's not that there's a, definite conflict in my mind where subjectively I don't frankly enjoy this film objectively I think it is very well made and a good movie so part of my problem tonight and, and problem I look at it as a challenge in a positive way part of the challenge tonight for me is to be fair to this movie in every way to be fair to the fact that it is a darn good movie while also being fair to the fact that it A, just does not hit me personally in the right way, and B, I have a couple of issues with it that I think keep it out of those top slots most people put it in. Okay, you, you articulated that very well, so bravo. Well done. Whew. Um, Whew. I, don't, I don't think the Twitter bots are coming after us yet. We'll see. Yet. yet. Um, but yeah, I, th this movie sets at a tension point for me as well. And, and I think most of mine probably has to do with James Mangold and we will get to that eventually. Um, but I think where I come down on it, Jake, is kind of what you said, which is, I think this movie is objectively good. I cannot say that it is great. And I, but, but, but I want to, cause I, I understand that everyone else around me feels the same way. So I'm, I'm open to the concept of, you know what, Mitch is like, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that maybe everybody listening to this is like, wow, Mitch is wrong. That's okay with me. Um, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. And I, and I'm going to be completely honest with you listeners. I'm not convinced I'm right either, but here, here I am putting it on the internet anyway, because again, what, what good is a podcast for? <laughs> Cause we're paying for the hosting. So why not? We are. So there's that, <laughs> but Jake, I can't even put this movie in the top three of the X-Men lore. And if I'm, if I put X2, Deadpool, and the first X-Men movie in my top three slots, then I certainly don't have room for Logan in like my top 10 comic book movies conversation or top 250 movies of all time conversation. I just don't. That's just the way the math works, right? And it's weird because I feel like that is a fair ranking for me to say, I have watched this movie multiple times. There are moments in the movie that are meaningful, that are well-crafted, but for the most part, it doesn't deliver the um, high art emotional wallop that this movie is claiming to have for, for me, as far as my prism is concerned. And so here I am being that guy that I promised you, I'm really trying hard not to be that guy that's just compliment, that's contradictory for the sake of being interesting and just say, I tried, I've tried. I, I, I want to say that this movie changed me. I want to say that this movie is top tier, high art comic book movie canon, take it to the bank. And I just still feel something inside of me say, you know what, as good as this movie was, it was still unimaginative and still didn't take as many risks as it should have and still um, disjointed, especially when it comes to the third act. So there, I said it, I like Logan, I don't love it. And it, and I don't know if anyone's even still listening at this point. <laughs> Here's, you know, l let me, I'm, I'm with you in, in, in most ways. I'm right there with you. Let me, let me take my, my thoughts on it and put some meat on the bones. And then I've got a couple follow-up questions for you. How's that? Abs for yeah, okay. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So, so for me, you alluded to third act things. And, and for me, you know, I have said for years on this podcast, and we've slowly but surely gotten around to it, that two of my bigger, dumber opinions out there were Logan and Wonder Woman, and that on both of them, it was that I felt the film had third act problems. Now, I think that Wonder Woman, the third act problem might be the only real problem with it, right? 
Whereas mm -hmm. with Logan, I think there's some other things. So with Logan though, uh, here's my issue with with Logan. An issue, my, you know, if this were a movie, we've talked before about we want to. I, I want to hold movies to the standard they ask to be held to, right? So when a movie comes to me, and and, and if you give me Deadpool, I want to judge Deadpool by Deadpool standard. Is it Absolutely. funny? Is it is it? You know, I'm not holding. And I'm glad you brought that up, just for the sake of. I feel like. We 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 make that pretty consistently clear on our podcast, but but I, I also recognize that we're not perfect, and so if we don't like, please understand that's ultimately what we're doing is is we try to do exactly as Jake said, which is like you can tell the standard that most movies, especially in the comic book arena, are demanding for us to to view them as, right? And so I think it's fair for us to to hold Logan up to that light because I do think it's asking to be that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what, what it's really trying to be to oversimplify and is, I feel like, and I'm not alone in this, and I don't feel like I'm do, saying anything bold here. I feel that Logan is trying to be a, it's trying to be a Western of the very serious, very intellectual variety that we get sometimes. I'm not just trying, it's flat out copying, but anyway, keep yeah. going. <laughs> well, and that's just, you know, and so I don't know what your history with the Western is, but have we talked about my mother and the Western? I don't think we've talked about it. So I am ready to do this. Let's let's sit down and have a chat, shall we? So my mom, who is an amazing woman, wonderful person, visited her not long ago. Um, I've met your mom. She was nice. She is. Yeah, me too. I, and so um, <laughs> <laughs> my mom, at, at some point in my adolescence, quit acting like she likes other forms of entertainment and got the biggest cable package there was simply because that was the only cable package that contained the Western channel. Mm. And at all times, if I was not on the TV with a video game or a movie or something of mine, then there was a Western on. And it, they are background noise to her. They are constantly playing. If you pull up any Western, black and white, spaghetti Westerns, you know, the, the more serious Westerns, whatever you want to grab, if you put a Western up on the screen, my mom will immediately tell you who is in it, where she ranks it, what happens in it. You, completely unprompted, might I add. She will just throw all this out there. <laughs> she will tell you, like, she she knows anything she, that happened behind the scenes. Your she mom is, is provide. Your mom is providing a public service. She is an encyclopedic. You know, one one day my mom will will pass from this earth, and when she does, we will be left with a giant gap in the world's knowledge of Western films. <laughs> unless we get this stuff written down. I have told her before. Um, so Westerns have always been, to that end, I neither hate nor love them. Um, I, I enjoy them. I am a little bit oversaturated with them. And so I'm kind of picky sometimes about them, but I also really do, you know I mean? Like I, I liked True Grit. Um, Which one? The uh, Good question. Um, the newer one. The Coen um, Brothers remake. Yeah, the Coen Brothers remake. Um, I, I enjoy Westerns. I don't go seek them out, right? So all that to say, this movie for me felt very familiar the first time I watched it. It fit that Western mold really well. There's a certain type of Western that has that message about the old gunslinger who is just trying to get away and live in peace who gets pulled out for one last fatal conflict, and it's kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword thing, right? And the, the message ultimately is usually some form of live by the sword, die by the sword. When, when Logan, this is where I've been going with this whole, wow, I monologue there. Um, when Logan tells Laura that she doesn't have to be the weapon that they want her to be, that is the moment for me where Logan as a film falls apart. 
It's supposed to be the moment that makes you cry. But if you look at it over the backdrop of everything that happened over the last two hours, you're like, that does not add up. Well, that just, it rings hollow to me, not because of the character Logan, right? It's got nothing to do with the performances, the characterization. I'm not even going to say the writing because of the visuals, right? And I, and I watched very closely for this when I rewatched this movie last week, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't seeing something that wasn't there. The, the movie, when it is time for violence, it, it revels in it, right? And like one of the big things that people really pushed with this film when it came out is, we're finally getting an R-rated Wolverine movie so we can watch him just really go at some fools with those claws. And, and when it is time for Logan to do the thing that he is best at. He is the best there is at what he does and what he does is not pretty. It's it's so revels in the violence, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not presented in an ugly way. And I don't see, it's almost like Logan is only truly himself when he is killing. And that is the tipping point right there. That is the rub because I think that it is fair to interrogate the movie with that approach because the entire movie kicks off with that. The opening, the opening. Yeah, when he's, sh- oh man. The opening establishing shot of the movie is Logan destroying some guys in a parking lot just because he can. There's no plot there. It does nothing to move the story along. We are not led to believe that his life is threatened and that is what is triggering him to make those actions. It's just, he's kind of drunk, he's angry and he needs to blow off some steam. So why not rip off the heads of six dudes who are kind of threatening in a parking lot? That is the establishing tone of the entire movie. And that is completely different than the concept of, I need to hang up my sword. And that's, and like, if you took, Every And I sat there thinking, what would I rather have seen, right? Because a film that, again, objectively, I think this is a pretty good movie. And I think it nails that Western tone nine out of ten times. And so when I'm looking at it and I'm I'm saying to myself, what am I asking of this film? What am I trying to say I want differently if I'm going to have the guts to, to criticize it? And I think I'm going to say I don't even need the violent scenes to be any different, but I wanted to see them take some sort of a toll on Logan. And I understand that he is, he's a shell of a man throughout the whole film, but at the same time, like I said, he seems himself when he's killing, he seems alive and back to the guy we remember when he's doing that. I want to see him really after those moments of violence, have it take a toll on him and have him just, man, I had to do it again, you know? And well, even the moment, like we, we didn't even really get a moment in a two hour and 17 minute runtime. We didn't even really get a moment where we see him truly analyzing the desensitization of what happens to um, Laura as he watches her do things like he's yeah. he, he completely maybe this is a little bit dismissive, but it seems like he completely glosses over the fact that Professor X is trying to get through to him that like, no, she's not a killing machine. Logan doesn't seem concerned with that at all. He doesn't seem to be contemplating that in any capacity. His eyes aren't open or a different perspective or things aren't shifted for him when he watches her in action. Like the moment is there. Like even if Logan is just this killing machine and doesn't give a shit, But then I could totally buy in if the perspective for him changes when he sees a little mutant girl having to do it, right? If if that is what changes his heart and changes his perspective and makes him think like, oh man, maybe we really should hang up our our swords. Like he doesn't even have that moment. So then when he's, spoiler alert, on his deathbed and looks at her and says, don't be what they made you to be. I'm like, you don't get to say that in that moment. I'm sorry, like you don't get to have your Oscar moment when you had so many other opportunities to lay the groundwork to earn your Oscar moment. Oh, earned is the right word there. I just, the disjointedness of it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm right there with you, Jake. And that's, that is a key, key part, even beyond just the production of the whole thing. And I think for me that that's really where my gripe with this film hinges is like, there's so it it came so close in so many ways to being what it wanted to be but on that key point it just i don't feel like it stuck the landing and i 
I, I look at it and I just think what could have been. And mm-hmm. I think if there had been, you know, a little more thoughtfulness involved in some of those scenes, you know, and it, I don't know that it takes a lot, you know, we, we pack so much into so little with films and we say so much and it's, it's a smart film, like treat us like we're smart, you know, do we, it through visual needed, cues. Jake, we just needed, we needed two, two moments that could have been done in seconds, right? Yeah. We, we needed that first opening establishing shot of the movie without it just being Logan directly rips into people for no reason whatsoever. We needed, we needed a moment where we could understand truly that he really didn't want to bring his claws out in that moment. We we could have had a moment of hesitation. We could have had an inner monologue. We could have had a little bit of dialogue from those guys that connects it to the greater storyline. There could have been something for an extra five seconds in that establishing shot that could have instantly made us know he doesn't want to do this, but he's going to get pushed to the brink, right? Kind of like um, in First Blood where Rambo is a really, really nice guy. And there's nothing wrong with him. And he's actually in the right. And then he loses his mind when he gets pushed too far and the cops start abusing him when they arrested him for no reason. Right. Mm -hmm. Then like we needed a moment like that. And then the other thing that we could have had again, Jake, in a matter of seconds is in one of the early fight sequences where he sees Laura really go into town on everybody for the first time, maybe the second time we needed a moment where he stops. He watches her. We see the fear hit his eyes. We see him have a change of heart and we see him retract his claws and look at his hands silently or something like that, right? A single moment like that would have been all we needed to get the establishing shot of he is seeing things differently now. And then that changes everything that we see from the rest of the way. All we needed was like those two things. I'm asking for a grand total of 30 seconds combined. And, and we could we could have had a completely different take. And, and in so many ways, the messaging presented to us throughout the film is the opposite of his final words to her. Because in so many ways, the film shows us that Logan is powerless to be anything but an agent of destruction. In that he, what happens to that family that they stay with on the farm and in the way that so many people, you know, there's constant violence and death going on it around could have been them. Even more poetically tragic, though, if we actually felt the tension of him being like, I'm trying to run away from this and it's yes. finding me any. But but we don't have that. It's Logan being Logan and then, oh, crap, these nice people got killed. But how much more staggering could it have been if we would have in that moment, like three quarters of the way into the movie, really bought into the concept of Logan really is trying to get away from this. He's trying his best and damn it the darkness found him anyway that is way more interesting and that moment is way more chilling you know for me the so this movie is largely influenced by mark miller's old man logan uh, arc in the wolverine comics and it's not a one-to-one translation and it, it both benefits and suffers for that like all adaptations um for me i look at Wolverine, who is a character I really have always loved. And I ask myself, is there any greater villain in Wolverine's life than Marvel editorial? Because (laughs) ultimately the tragedy of Logan, of James Howlett, the great tragedy for that character is that anytime some writer has the guts to try to develop him beyond his killing machine days, Within one year, someone at Marvel is going to say, okay, we got to hit reset on Wolverine and make sure that he's slicing fools up again. And and this movie falls back into that. It refuses Mm -hmm. to let the character grow beyond that, even when it claims that that's what it's trying to do. And it pains me so much because every time this character starts to take that final step forward to say, I will you know, the darkness may continue to pursue me, but I reject it. And I will- They undo it five seconds later. Exactly. And every time, you know, and I'm not saying he has to be infallible. And I'm not saying Logan needs to go become a pacifist on a hillside or any of this. I'm just saying- We need some tension. Yeah, tension. 
Yes, let's see him try to reject it. Dare I say character nuance? <laughs> dare you, you dare, yes. Dare I? Jake, this is maybe an insulting question, um, but I, I I don't know. I And I don't know if we can even quantify it effectively, but it feels like the right question to ask on a podcast. So here goes. Did we go into this movie, we, collective viewers, us fans, did we go into this movie already deciding how we would feel before we watched it? Is, is that a case here where we saw the trailer, the Johnny Cash Hurt trailer, the Johnny Cash Hurt cover plays, and we see what it's going to be, the final chapter, we say farewell to Logan, we see him battling his demons, and we go, oh, shit, they're really going to do it. Did we decide before we even watched a full frame of the actual feature-length film that this movie was going to be um, uh, our, our big dramatic moment in the comic book arena? Had, had we already decided that? I, I mean, I think, yeah. And I, I, I want to be fair to to people. I, I don't want to claim that everyone who likes this is a sheep, right? Because some people that <laughs> I, some people I really respect really like this. And you and I were talking about it. You know, Shout out so, to Matt Merrill-Lowry, our, oh, yeah. our, our friend and, and genius artist who has been on this podcast before, wonderful comic book uh, mind and comic book uh, professional. He he chimed in on our Twitter and just straight up said, Logan is on the same par as Richard Donner's Superman, and it's one of the more rewatchable movies. And, and, and the thing is, is like, he's not saying that as like hyperbole, and, and Matt is an opinion of many other folks who I, I greatly respect and when I hear things like that it makes me pause and genuinely wonder if I am in the wrong and I'm still recording this podcast thinking I'm probably in the wrong because I just I can't rectify the fact that so many people whose opinion I respect and who have have great taste have said no this movie really does deliver absolutely yeah and and man, gosh I can't remember who else was it that was on our Twitter said something about like they watched it at exactly the right time. And it, you know, it really was what they needed then. And um, somebody said that I'm going to mess it. Might've been our good friend, Tony. That's what I think, but I didn't want to misattribute. I think it was Tony. Um, Here's the thing. There's, I want to be respectful to the people that I respect who came to this movie and loved it. And I don't want to accuse them of being caught up in some marketing. That being said, I know a lot of people that I don't respect and I know a lot of people that I do think they just drink the Kool-Aid on everything. And I think that a lot of those people, you know, there's more than one group went to see this film. And I think that group, yeah, I think you're right for a certain population portion, a certain amount of the people who went to see it. Yeah it really was just kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we decided ahead of time what this movie would be. And I think we showed up and made it that. It, gosh, I, part of me wants to say that that's clearly the case, but I don't know if it's clearly anything. Like I said earlier, it might be an unfair question to posit, but I do think it's worth ruminating on, not placing our whole stake on. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Well, and again, I think we I think the question is not did that happen? I think the question is how much did it happen? Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know, because we we talked once about how long studios have had to master the art of having a conversation with us before we even see the movie. And and I think that they know what they're doing and they they know how to frame the film before we even walk in the door and that's awesome. It's not all, necessarily all bad, you know. In some ways that's a great thing. But I think that there is, a, I think the question with any film is not, did the marketing affect how we viewed it? I think the question is how much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. I think we can, I think we can find a fair ground there. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a couple things I want to hit too, but you said you had some questions for me. I don't, I don't yeah, want to keep trampling be, over the well, conversation. Well, they might be the same thing. Cause I wanted to ask you, cause you and I've, we've talked a little bit off the air and, and, you know, whenever we start to get to this stuff, I try to always dial back that I want to have a three-hour conversation, but I want to do it on air um, so that we don't have to do it twice. So <laughs> my, my question for you is, you've talked a lot about Mangold, and I want to kind of clear the runway and just let you just break it down a little bit for me. Uh, James Mangold, what, what's your thoughts there? Okay, so we're, we're going to go cinephile here for a minute. Please. 
Okay, James Mangold is like... I paint him with the same brush as as Ron Howard. Um, James Mangold and Ron Howard are definitely cut from the same cloth, which is they are gifted filmmakers. They know how to handle big budget movies, but more importantly, they know how to play it safe. They 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 just play it's 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 more paint by numbers than it is artistic flair and when i when i watch a movie um that's directed by ron howard or when i watch a movie that's directed by james mangold like james mangold also did like walk the line and ford versus ferrari and logan which is like he's right in that niche of dude bro blockbuster movies right where it's really convenient to say oh i saw this movie that's getting some award attention and you know what i liked it a lot or it made me a little bit emotional and then it gives us that really cool moment to be like hey i'm sensitive and i like artistic movies but then when you watch it you realize this is really just an unimaginative blockbuster. And maybe that's an unfair assumption, but like I watch Mangold movies and I say, he's hitting all the beats in exactly the way that you would expect to, if you were just saying, this is how you, if you were reading a textbook on, this is how you make a movie that's going to get nominated for an Oscar, rather than this is how James Mangold wants to capture this meaningful story. Does that difference make sense? Like he, um, he doesn't take any risks. Every single shot is basic. The character nuance is missing. The point of view and the tension in the plot is thin, but the action sequences are hitting at every beat. Every five pages, something big happens. Um, all the big sweeping notes are there though, right? And he knows how to frame it from the standpoint of this is the last stand for Logan. And he's letting you know through every single frame of this movie that we are slogging through the very last stand for Logan. And I, I don't want that. I want a movie that's directed by somebody that has unique vision, by somebody that has a little bit of flair, by somebody that knows exactly what they want to do and how they want to say it. And they want to say something strong. And I think if you want to look at something different, you can look at what Ryan Coogler does. And there's a clear difference between watching something that hits all of the notes and watching something that is giving us something meaningful in an imaginative way. There is a clear difference and you know it when you see it. Someone like Coogler can do that. And I, and I feel like when I'm watching Logan, I feel almost as though we, we collectively in the comic book arena were so ready to have widespread legitimacy and so ready to cross over into the threshold of being universally recognized as a cinematic art form, not just a comic book movie. And so Christopher Nolan gave us heat with Dark Knight, right? And so we're like, okay, we've got the next new wave thriller movie, Crime Heist, and it's, and it's the best, right? And so then Logan came along and we're saying, yes, this is gonna be our big dramatic moment. This is gonna be our big drama. And we are finally gonna earn the credentials and let all the cinephiles know that comic book movies belong here. And the problem is that Logan is more like Forrest Gump than it is like Amadeus or Casablanca. And I, I think about, when I think about some of the most meaningful, character-driven, complicated, rich plot and nuanced type of movies, I think of things like Casablanca and Amadeus, movies where the acting performances were so spectacular and so believable and so cerebral that you instantly believe that those people are those characters and stories that are so well thought out that they not only weave together a tapestry of a very finely tuned and layered cinematic experience but they're engaging to watch and they have something to say for both the casual fans and for those looking for deep symbolism and deep social commentary both Casablanca and Amadeus set the mold for those sorts of things as far as I'm concerned even the Godfather does too right the Godfather is definitely of that ill and I watch Logan and I feel like, man, this feels a whole lot more like a Forrest Gump, Robert Zemeckis movie or a Ron Howard movie where I know what I'm watching. I know what they want me to feel because they're being very manipulative with it, but they're not earning a single thing. And there wasn't hardly any artistic imagery or there wasn't hardly any artistic moment captured in the movie. It was just so straightforward. And again, 
coming back to the concept of, is it fair to view this movie through that lens? I think it is. This is a movie where people are saying this is the 219th most popular and important movie in cinema. This is a movie that got nominated for one of the more important Oscars in the nomination field. This is a movie where the moment you saw the first trailer, you were like, oh shit, they want to get taken seriously, right? And so if we're viewing this as high art form and saying, hey, 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 Academy, we finally have a dramatic thing that's worthy of the cinephile's attention in the comic book arena. I'm sorry. I want it to be artful. I want it to take some risks. I want it to give me some real tension and some earnest character nuance. Now, I talked for a really long time and I'm sure everyone has turned off this episode now. So Jake, do you rebut? <laughs> I think that, no, I, I, I mean, I, I think that I, I'm kind of ruminating on everything you've said, right? Like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of, I'm letting it wash over me. I'm giving it some thought and it's, like, it's nothing. J- James, Ma- I'm sorry to cut you off. James no, Mangold is more like Tom Petty than he is like Bob Dylan where <laughs> Tom, That's and, the note you put on our schedule that I remember looking at and going, what on earth are we talking about that week? Okay, and, and, I, and this isn't a shot at anybody. Tom Petty, ah. Tom Petty is universally beloved because he's likable. His music is approachable. It sounds good to everybody. It hits that big, broad, sweeping rock and roll notes. But his lyrics... And the movement that he stood for are never going to change people. It's just, hey, we need to have a good time. Let's put on Tom Petty and everyone will be happy, right? Bob Dylan changed his culture, definitely, defied a a genre multiple times and became a Nobel Nobel Prize winning lyricist and poet, right? So like, I, I feel like what our disconnect is is there is nothing wrong with James Mangold being Tom Petty. Ford versus Ferrari was a really fun movie. I liked it a lot. But I don't want people to come here and say, Tom Petty is really, really good, so can we go ahead and put him in the upper echelon with John Lennon and Bob Dylan and Sam Cooke, right? Like, I don't think that's fair. So you can't you can't give me Tom Petty and then try to convince me that this is blood on the tracks. And I feel like that's what's happening with Logan. So I think that I, I think I'm reaching kind of a, a, a kind of a moment of consensus with myself here. I talked earlier about needing to get the objective and the subjective to work together. And maybe for me, and I don't, I, I'm not trying to rebut or agree with, I'm trying to just expand on. So if I'm way off track here, let me know. Um, I think I've made everyone listening mad already, so it's okay. I mean, I agree with you and I'm a little angry. So um, we, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that um, as, as I'm listening here, yeah, this is just one of those episodes where we, we gotta, we gotta hit every sacred cow, don't we? Um, mm-hmm. I think that for me, the thing with this movie is, if you're asking me the greater cinematic feat, X2 or Logan, top to bottom, it's probably Logan. But the thing for me is that X2 didn't ask me to gauge it on, a, on an Oscar level. Exactly. And so for me, what and I have X2, to dare I say outside of professor X and Logan gave us more character nuance. Well, and that's just it is, is like, and so for me, the problem for me comes back to this issue of asking. It's just, it's this thing that the way that it's asked to be looked at. And, and if I'm going to hold it to that Oscar standard, then I've got to, I've got to challenge the third act problem. And that's not to say that no other X-Men movie has them, but no other X-Men movie asked to be held to Oscar standard. So it felt like two completely different movies, right? Like it really is disjointed. Yeah. If the movie was just the first two acts in a vacuum, I might be saying a different tune. Like I do need to say something nice about this movie. Patrick Stewart deserved an Oscar nomination. Cantankerous old man Professor X is my favorite character. Dear God, was he fantastic. And that moment, spoiler alert, right before he gets killed, 
when he's giving that confession to who he thinks is Logan, like that is actually the only moment mm. in the movie where I had an emotional reaction that moment. But that was also coming from the lone character that gave us any sort of humanism on screen. Well, and that's just, oh man, I think, whew. so that's, that's the thing is that like packed into this movie that doesn't quite hit the mark about Logan's development is the tragedy of Charles Xavier. And it's, mm -hmm. I, I think here's the thing. If they had just set out to make a tragedy in the sense that, you know, that you're not, you're not messaging anything. You're just, Hey, we want to do a tragedy. We've, we've not, we want to do a tragic Western about a guy whose past catches up with him. But then we want to make the most meaningful moment of said Western be a carbon copy of an already existing Western rather than just paying homage. Exactly. And, and that's just it. That, that just doesn't sit well with me. Like Laura is literally quoting the fricking movie there as a eulogy. <laughs> and I'm just like, guys, that is too heavy handed that is, and, and too easy. Like, come on. Let's well, use just a little like bit of imagination. It's like the rat that scurries across the screen at the end of the departed. Like, no, we got it. We understood there was a rat. Yeah, so I guess Don't get me, me started on that movie, by the way. Like, out of all the movies from Scorsese's <laughs> canon, that's the one that the Academy wants to give him Best Director for? My God. It was, it was an apology award. No one really thought they were awarding that movie. They were saying sorry to Scorsese for all And then the ultimate irony is, is if they would have just waited a little bit longer, they could have done the same thing for another movie that was more deserving, either Wolf of Wall Street or Silence, and it would have been fine. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I did not mean to pick at that scab. Um, we, you know, I, I guess, so I guess for me, the problem is when people ask me how I feel about this movie, I I tend to kind of groan in response. Like, oh no. Because um, you're about to be that guy that ruins the party. Because I don't have it in me to be like, oh yeah, good movie. Like, that's just not me. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it, Mitch. I do not have it, comes it in back me. To, but it comes back to the standard. If if Logan came out and said, we're Tom Petty, you would be fine with saying, yeah, I like Tom Petty. But Logan came out here and said, no, we are Bob Dylan's blood on the tracks. And then you watched it and you're like, damn it, it's Tom Petty. <laughs> and you're like, now, now I have to say something. <laughs> it's just so, man, so I guess for me, this is a really tough movie to, to land because there's a lot about it to like. There's a lot you know, it's very stylish. It has got some amazing character moments for Professor X. Stephen Merchant is a great Caliban. Uh, he doesn't get much screen time, but he makes the most of what he has. Uh, I, you know, it, and I think that actually one thing I think it gets right is what it does with villains. Like there's not, while there's certainly some very villainous characters that are the villain, I, I also think that it doesn't let the movie become about the villains and it lets a film called Logan be about Logan. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on here that I can enjoy, but when I watch the whole movie start to finish and take it for what it is, it's just not for me, you know? I think that's fair. And maybe that's, maybe that's the thesis of this episode after we have alienated everybody that loves this movie, which is Logan is good. We are, we are conceding the fact that Logan is a good movie, but it clearly does not resonate to the deeper degree with the two co-hosts of this podcast. And I think that's okay. I do. I, and, and that's just it. You know, for me, this is an exercise in finding that space to respectfully disagree that the internet is famous for being so good about where we, we can say, look, there's a lot of people that we respect whose opinions matter to us that we just don't agree with on this one. And <laughs> we just don't see it their way. And that doesn't make, you know, here's the thing at the end of the day, like Hugh Jackman, James Mangold, Patrick Stewart, none of them need my approval. And they're doing just fine on their own. And I don't think that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that this one personally cracks my top three. And I think that's okay that it tops everyone else's. I think that's a great way to tie a bow on it. That's, and, and, and maybe it's a, it's a microcosm of the whole X-Men struggle as a whole. 
for for the movies themselves, right? As we've said before throughout X-Men month, the highs are incredibly high, the lows are incredibly low, and in the middle, there's a lot of complicated feelings. And here we are looking at 13 movies, which is just a lot. We're looking at 13 movies and sitting here trying to figure out what is the common through line for all of them when there have been clear continuity issues, so many different hands in the pie, and so many different iterations of young versus old for certain characters and everything like that. And and ultimately where we come down is, is like a lot of these movies are very good and very entertaining. Some of them really miss to a super big degree, but it's really hard to look at all of them in a cohesive big picture. Yeah, man. Oh, you took it there. Now my mind is blown on a whole different level. (laughs) Any other final thoughts that you want to say on Logan? Cantankerous old man, Charles Xavier, you know, I I blurted it out a minute ago, but that was the, uh, that's always been the highlight of the film for me is watching Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Patrick Stewart cussing at people as Charles Xavier is nothing I ever thought I wanted, but definitely couldn't live without now. I, yes i mean that's the most perfect way to describe it you're like whoa and then you realize <laughs> no i yeah i need this i need this yeah dude he was he was masterful in that role oh, and it's it, it breaks my heart every time the thought that charles xavier accidentally killed all of his students having a seizure mm-hmm. is the single i mean the original old man logan idea that this is loosely adapted from had wolverine being tricked into killing all of the x-men Mm-hmm. and and that's sad right like i get but but that oh gosh charles xavier accidentally killing the students is just a whole different level of heartbreak for me the i don't gentle- even like saying the sentence out loud i know the gentlest of all the mutants it's it's unfair it's unfair and that that was the one stroke of genius for this movie if nothing else was unpacking that storyline enough to where we got it and really giving patrick stewart the runway to let him do what he does um that that was that was fantastic i applaud logan for that if nothing else because it gave us that well then um takes abound don't they we had a lot of thoughts on logan and there it is if you are still with us listeners i promise we love the x-men movies We love you as listeners and we love the exchange on this. So definitely I'm serious. We want to hear from you on Twitter on this because Jake and I are, are are again, completely self-aware to the fact that we are in the minority on this one and we're probably even wrong and that's okay. So thank you for jumping on board with us. We genuinely love the ride that we have had with y'all for these last three years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. Um, Hit us up on Twitter. We want to hear from you uh, at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. Um, the next episode that we have to close out X Men Month, Jake, I believe we are going to be debating Apocalypse versus Future Past, right? Yeah, I, this is going to be a weird one because we're going to both agree completely and disagree entirely. Probably. So it's going to be a weird episode, I think, and in a good way, good weird. It'll it'll make for good podcasting. That's for yes. sure. So thank you for jumping on board, everybody. Again, give us a rating or review on whatever your favorite pod platform is. It'll help other people find us along the way. And it's a great way to pay it forward. And if you do so, we promise to give you a lifetime supply of free high fives as a payment. I mean, how, how can you say no to that? It's a pretty sweet deal. And of course, shout out to the Geek Dad Podcast Network. It is a wonderful place to call home. Love those folks over there. So yeah. This is Mitch and Jake with the Watching Comics Podcast. We will be coming at you next week with some more awesome stuff. We will talk to you then.